0: welcome back to the reside platform podcast this is an exciting episode because we're here with tara Limburg. she is the team leader and broker owner of the number one team in arkansas for the last 10 years it's hard enough to get to number one but it's even harder to stay at the top and so we're going to find out how she did that she sold over 1.5 billion dollars in real estate owns multiple other pillars of revenue sources that we're gonna dive into today. And we also got Preston Guyton. Preston, how's it going, bud? Good, man, how are you? Um, We're really good. Tara, thank you for joining us today. Give our audience a little bit of background about your business and your life. how do you end up where you're at today?
1: Gotcha, all right, well thank you guys for having me. Uh, Like I said, I'm Tara Lindbergh and I'm here in Northwest Arkansas, which is, always tell me, the home of Walmart you've ever heard of that little company so that's where we're located but um, I'm an, an Arkansas native I grew up about an hour and a half south of here and actually started off in the mortgage business and did that for five or six years and of course the the uh, grass is always greener on the other side and so I decided wow this uh, this real estate gig that that everyone's doing that looks like a lot of fun uh, but I didn't want to be which I'm dating myself I thought if I'm a normal realtor, I just get a phone book and a desk and you just start going at it. I thought, I don't want to do that. So I actually found in the newspaper, a job ad back when people looked in newspapers for jobs as well, but they had a new construction home specialist uh, position available. And so I applied for that. That was in 2004. And I've never timed very many things well in my life, but that was actually great timing because for those of us that have been in the business a while, 2004 was uh, some great years in real estate and I didn't know how lucky I had it, but I joined a, a new construction subdivision. I sat in a model home. They basically handed me a stack of folders and said, here's all your listings. These two are under contract. And I'm just like, okay, I guess this is just how real estate works, you know? Uh, but obviously quickly learned that was not the case, Yeah, but we did that, I did that for a couple of years and it was great. Uh, about 2006, you know, the market kind of started turning a little bit and my, my position there in the model homes was I can only work in that neighborhood. So I decided maybe it's time to branch out a little bit, not put all my eggs in one basket. And so that's when I joined a national franchise and started selling what I called normal real estate. Uh, so that's that's what we did for a few years and then about 2010 my husband decided to get his license and we're like why don't we start a team even though at the time there were there was one team in our area and it was more it was a, a mother-son team you know and so we're like well I don't really even know how this works but it sure sounds good you know let's just start a team and so that's kind of how we started in 2010 and um just kind of slowly grown over the last 13 years and here we are now
2: so you started with new construction company were they still around in 2010
1: yeah well it yes and no So <laughs> we had like five or six builders that that operated under them they're out of detroit and uh but yeah they they're i think they're still in existence but they decided to go back home to detroit and um and and do things there so yeah, that's it was it was a good time to pivot. I didn't know yeah. that at the time because yeah, you know, new construction definitely started slowing down soon after
2: that. Yeah. Yeah. I started in two thousand four too. And I tell people it's the first couple of years, I was like, man, this is great. And then yeah. two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I was like, Holy cow.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what's interesting starting real estate. Then, you know, you've seen the one some of the best markets ever some of the worst markets. And then 2020, like, I don't even know what these markets were, but they were unusual. But that's why I tell our team it's like, it doesn't matter what I've learned in any real estate market. People have to have somewhere to live. You know, it doesn't matter what's going on. No matter what the interest rates are, people still have babies. People still get divorced. People still get married. People still relocate. Life still happens. And so sometimes you just have to pivot and go from new construction to more of investors and foreclosures and short sales. And, you know, you just have to be willing to be adaptable and you can make it in any market.
0: Well, it's also interesting, you know, a lot of our futures all can be in our past if we're willing to look back at it.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: you entered the real estate industry because you saw an ad. Right. And it wasn't, it wasn't an ad that said, Would you like to become a real estate agent or start your real estate sales career? It was new construction home specialist. And so looking back on that ad, do you use any advertising to attract agents into specialty roles to enroll them into the industry versus just, Hey, here you get to become a real estate agent.
1: No, but I might start that today. because that maybe that is a good idea. <laughs>
0: well, it attracted you. Okay. Yeah. Then, let, me ask, let me ask you another question then looking back at your career, running a team for, 13 years. How have you found agents to join your team?
1: Right. Well, I think we've been really fortunate. Uh, a lot of our agents have joined our team kind of the same way with a lot of our buyers and sellers Is we've always, I feel like done a very, very good job of marketing and branding. And so we do have a, a large attraction. Like we usually receive a couple thousand applications every year to join our team but a lot of that's people that are new to the business, you know, and so um, we all know, and and everyone has kind of a different philosophy. Some people, some teams only like to bring on brand new people. Some people like experience. We like a little bit of both. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, so that's kind of what we've done in the past um, is, is done in some, you know, actually a lot of our agents too are even past clients of our team. So it's been kind of a, a multitude of, of, things that we've done.
0: So pat thousand Nick, uh, yeah, did thousand, you catch that number? <laughs> wait a second. A thousand applicants a year. Yeah. Tell them, tell us more about that because Preston and I are taking notes.
1: Okay, sure. Yeah.
0: Where do they come from? Where's the lead sources? Cause I know you probably track everything.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well most of it's just from you know WiseHire and indeed. And sure. like, you know, a lot of people are either brand new to the business or they have not even taken the test yet. So uh, you know, I know there are some teams, we've not done this yet, but they offer, you know, a scholarship program to help people get their license. Um, so we haven't done that yet, but that might be, you know, something to offer just since we, we do have such a large number of people that actually apply to be on the team, which actually becomes its own sort of ob- set of obstacles. Is trying to decide, you know, who, who, who to say yes to and, and who not to. You know, we all know it's really hard to tell if someone's going to be great or not great at this until they actually get involved in it. And this past year, we did bring on a lot more newer people and kind of br- took them the more like of a, a boot camp and launch program to see if they could actually have the chops to make it. Um, but that's you know you know that's kind of its own set of obstacles too because it's you know the the team. We've always been a tight knit team, even though we're a l- larger team. And as you bring people through, and people don't make it, you know, it's um, it, it, that's been something a challenge we've had to learn to deal with this year. Is, is how it kind of changes the dynamics of your team.
2: How many? How many do y'all bring on a year, usually? So you say <laughs> there's an average.
1: Right. I would say uh, on average, we actually, as far as a net. On agents, we usually net like anywhere from about three to six new people a year. And even though we brought on a lot of people last year, when it all, and I say last year, 2023, to me, this year is already done, you know, but, but we still probably only net about the same because, you know, this was a tough year. You know, we did, we lost more people this year than we have in the past. Uh, Just, you know, the, the market's different. What's required of all of us is different and um it's you know sometimes it just doesn't work out unfortunately
2: yeah i think that's that's a common theme i think across the country you know we brought up we brought on a lot of people but we we're going to end up about maybe 15% higher than we were at the beginning of the year
1: right yeah
2: with agent count as, as as a leader how do you handle
0: the thought of bringing someone on the responsibility of bringing someone on not knowing if they're going to be productive or not so let me put some context talking to team leaders and like early team leaders, right? Like when you're first starting out, mm-hmm. they're hesitant to bring people on because they they want everything to be put into place. They want a perfect onboarding, they want enough leads, they want to make sure that they're successful. Yeah. How do you handle that not knowing that?
1: Well, it's it's tough. I mean, I, I think we're we've gotten a better handle on it, but I think it's something that's constantly evolving. You know, it's we've, you know, we've even um done the the Nick McLean onboarding class, you know, and that that helped us a whole lot too. You every time we use the word indoctrinate in our team, it's always like as Nick McLean would say, we've got to indoctrinate people, you know. But uh, um, you know, it's hard. I mean, when I when we were a smaller team and we brought people on, I was usually the one training them. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I'm not I'm not trying to like get myself Kudos, but I think I did a really good job of training them But but because more, you know, one-on-one, hands-on type approach. And as you do get larger, you know, your time becomes straightened down. So that's a challenge. Um, But now we have somebody on our team, but that's her primary role is to, to train. And she also does some recruiting for us. And so we have our onboarding class usually lasts about three weeks. And it's about half a day for three weeks and just getting people on the phone and having kind of a little test along the way of making sure that they're, you know, um, doing the things that they need to do. But and, and it's constantly evolving. I think, I think the problem is, as team leaders, we want to check the box and move on to something else. And with training agents and onboarding agents, it seems like it's a constant work in progress. You know, you're constantly trying to figure out what works best. In and each, in each class that we bring on is a little bit different. Some of them, you know, learn really fast and some, you know, take a little bit more time on certain things. Some have more experience in real estate than others. Some have more life experience than others. And so it's like it's really hard to just rinse and repeat just because you're dealing with humans. And when you're dealing with humans, it makes things a little difficult. So a little challenging
2: Preston, Nick, I was waiting on you to, well,
1: (laughs)
0: you know, when it comes to that, it's like, okay, I heard you say that it's, it's not, it's constantly evolving. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It's constantly evolving. And and part of being a team leader too, early on, you know, take yourself back to 2010, 2012. You spent a lot of time
1: Mm -hmm.
0: one-on-one with them to make sure that they, not only you teach them, but that they retain that. And wow. then, they, then they probably need to go out there and show you that we <laughs> yeah. not only heard what you said, but can do it. And you're constantly, you know, you're always, you're watching them go through that that process. And through that iteration process, you can build out your system.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it takes a long time. You need a lot of reps. I think team leaders need to understand, like get out there, get some reps, get some, you need agents. You're not going to be perfect at your first agent, second agent, 10th agent. So, yeah. so get out there and do it. Um, you mentioned that uh, some agents are leaving and Preston talked about this marketplace 2024 that are 23 going into 24 mm-hmm. that the agents are leaving because you had to change the way you're running it. And before we jumped on this podcast, you said something about going from a marketing-based business to a prospecting-based business.
1: Right. Tell yeah, us
0: about that.
1: Sure. You know, we've, we've always, um, I feel like then it really, good job like I think that's one of my strong suits is marketing and we've done a really good job in our area of marketing our team and and branding and so we we attract a lot of business to our team but the downside of that is it's not it's not something you can count on you know every single day like knowing oh this is how many people are just going to happen to call my phone today and want to list their house and so we started moving more to prospecting based business because I didn't want to ever feel like our success was dependent on the market and with prospecting based you know how many people you need to talk to every day and how many appointments you need to set and listing presentations you need to do and to, to be able to reach your goals and so it was something that you know I always I always sometimes you know joke with my agents i will grab the phone I'm like hey I don't know if y'all have done the new update on your phone but it's really cool. And this cool update now where you actually can dial out, you know, it's, it's super awesome. <laughs> if y'all want to try that, you know, don't, but as we forget, like, I can't, you, you can't just wake up day like, oh, I hope I'd go on two appointments and people just happen to call me, but I can control how many calls I make and how many appointments I set. So that's why we kind of started moving in so we could have a little more control over our business. <laughs> Yeah. They love my jokes.
0: That's fantastic. That's fantastic, mm-hmm. Preston. Where do you want to dive into? You want to dive into marketing or the prospecting based side of that?
2: Uh, you know, you mentioned what you mentioned one thing before we got on. You know the, the the importance of that because I think a lot of agents, especially now with everything is pulling at your attention. You know, like where do you focus? And you talked about you know focusing on one thing. Is that something you, when you started the marketing, was there one thing you focused on, you know, when you, when you started the real estate team, was there one main focus at first?
1: Um, well, I think at first, of course, um, you know, we didn't know what the heck we were doing at yeah. first, you know, but as we kind of dived into it, I think is a lot of it was being super consistent, you know, and it was, you know, we started on radio a few, like probably like two thousand. 13 maybe and just being very consistent with what we do and the message that we were uh, providing like you know even our everything down to our, our logo and our look it's just that everything you see of us whether it's on social media or our website it's just everything is super super consistent and so I think that's the problem sometimes is people um you know like This is a good example is when we decided to become an independent brokerage, we had to get new real estate signs. So we worked for a long time to our real estate signs. I narrowed it down to three. I had them print all three signs. And then I took one and went and put it in my front yard and hammered it in. Got my car, drove around the neighborhood and just kind of like to see if it would catch my eye, what I could see, what I, what I, what was it clearly visible. Took that sign out, hammered the second one, and then did the same thing. So I think, you know, I think putting a lot of thought, you know, I always say everything on our team doesn't happen by accident. And so it's just putting a lot of thought into everything that you do. You know, I I, I laugh at, you know, not just real estate, but every industry that spends a lot of money on billboards. And I'm like, I couldn't even read it. You know, it's like, well, who, who did this? Who approved this? You know, and uh, so just putting a lot of thought and being consistent. And realizing you can't go on the radio one time and think everyone's gonna call you or go into a magazine or do anything just one time. It's being consistent with your message and your branding.
2: Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of people do in this business. And a lot of businesses, they don't they don't spend a lot of time. They pick a logo in like two seconds. And they're like, Oh, that looks good. You know, right. they don't really give it a lot of thought. And just like you just shared the signage. I mean, that sounded like that was something that took weeks.
1: Oh, yeah,
2: for sure. yeah, So most people don't, most people don't do that. So, you know, being yeah. consistent in marketing is, is definitely huge for sure.
1: Yeah. And, and then making sure you're being that, that consumer, what, what, yeah. what are they seeing? You know, our, our marketing team, you know, a lot of times they're at the office and they're working on these big screens and they're doing all this stuff and then I'll see it because I'm looking at my phone and I'm like, like, you guys need to make sure you're looking at it on your phone too, because like, this is, this is of course, they say I'm getting old and then I just can't see very well <laughs> anymore, which that may be true too. But i like, well, then they everybody's getting old. So we got to appeal to that audience as well, you know, so just making sure you're, you're looking at everything and, and it's, yeah, just putting a lot of thought into what you're doing.
0: Yeah. Taking that perspective approach to the outside looking in approach that different perspective, other than your shoes mm-hmm. is really important. And I see that at the top levels, especially when when you have an independent broker, you know, press an independent brokerage, I'm an independent brokerage, you're an independent brokerage and going through that process of having to create everything. Right. Like you literally have to create everything and I'm not saying to do that, but the the process of doing that makes you really think about your brand, makes you really think about your signs. Mm-hmm. Where do you order your signs? You got to look at your proofs. You got to look at your flies. You got to look at every little piece. And I yeah. think if, even even if you're at a big brand taking that approach to your team will do wonders for you um sure. for sure right
1: mm-hmm, definitely where,
0: where's your marketing where do you where do you see a lot of your how do you build your you, you talked about radio what are three three other marketing sources that have made the biggest impact on your business
1: um uh, Yeah. radio has been uh really good for branding i think you know a lot of our we do so many different things that it sometimes becomes difficult to track you know we all have that problem my one of my favorite stories is one time a lady called about listing her house and i'm like so how did you hear about us and she's like well it's because i heard you on the radio and then i was driving through a subdivision the other day and i saw one of your signs and then i was at walmart and i was talking to a friend and telling her i was thinking about selling my house and she told me i should call y'all and i'm like oh my gosh like my mind is like What what do I? What do I even write down? You know, it's kind of like a a basketball team. Like you know, one lead source gets the point, one gets the assist. You know, but it because it's so many little things uh, play on that. Um, But you know, at at this point, obviously, we do a lot of past clients and sphere. We do a lot of client appreciation events. We have a a Facebook page for our past clients. It's our Lindbergh Loyalty Club. Uh, We offer you know promotions. We you know give a little. Starbucks gift cards for birthdays, you know, a little barcode that they could take and, you know, buy themselves a, a free drink for their birthday, you know, just, just, it's so much easier to try to retain a client than go out and get another one. But I think as agents, you know, we're, I'm, I'm guilty as well of the squirrels all over the place. Um, so just being, you know, cognizant of that and spending, spending some more marketing dollars there, I think is important. Uh, We also, we do do a lot of, you know, Google, as far as PPC and reviews, we have close to a thousand reviews now from our team. And, you know, that's, that, that helps a lot, a lot of people, Um, you know, before every closing, we're always checking with the client to find out kind of how they heard about us. And a lot of it is from our reviews and seeing us uh, Googling realtors in our area. So that's, that's been huge for us. And, um, and then also even just Facebook, you know, social media stuff that we, that we run, uh, you know, we, we, we're lucky enough to have a lot of uh, listings. And so we have a lot of, uh, opportunities to, um, market those and attract buyers and other, other people looking to sell. And, um, so that's, those are some of the things that are, are working well for us.
2: Nick, you know what I thought of when she said that, so many locations? Have you started reading that book, Oversubscribed, yet? Yeah, I read it. Yeah. So Oversubscribed, if you haven't read it, Tara, is a great book. Okay. Um, it talks about building a relationship and having to, a lot of building, relationships. 1174 is what they talk about. And and I've, I I kind of look at that from a marketing digital standpoint, that they need to see you in four locations before they actually move you to like a potential client or, or move you to somebody that potentially hire. It says it from an acquaintance to a friend in the book, but it's a, it's a really good book when you think about marketing and the way, you know, the way people overlook like remarketing and rebranding and all those things. Um, A lot of times, especially in pay-per-click when I'm setting up, you know, we're setting up AdWords accounts and things like that. It's very important for people to see you in so many different locations because all of a sudden they keep seeing you and they're like, Hey, you know, I sign up on your website and I see you here and then, you know, then go and see a review. And then all of a sudden they, when they reach out, there's a better chance for them to work with one of your agents. So it's, um, that's a really good book though. I actually, I think uh, Sunit was the original one that shared it with me. So. Well,
1: I'll have to check it out. Yeah,
0: okay. So yeah. And I think for a lot of people, you know, you realize strategically, they hear like okay seven, seven four you know what is it a, a 11, 11 contacts seven hours of con seven hours of c- consumption in four different locations yeah um, yeah really that's great. right you you hear something like that and I want people to realize they they came up with that based on observation on what has worked they didn't come up with that and do it it wasn't a str- strategy going okay I yeah. think eleven seven four is going to work so we're going to build out an email campaign a marketing campaign everything no what happened was Tara in in Benville was crushing it for 10 straight years and became number one and they went there and they studied her and found that the people that used her she couldn't even figure out where the lead source came from because they saw her from four different locations the sign the radio the social media and an event Right. And then they also noticed that they they consumed about seven hours of her content through social media, other sources. And then they also noticed that all of her transactions also were touched 11 times in follow a boss. Right. And so they came up with the framework. So what I'm saying is, is Nassim Taleb talks about professors teach people how birds fly. Right. And that's just that's just a professor that's not. It's not a bird, doesn't know how to fly. Just explaining how birds fly. So 1174 is explaining like how Tara flies. Tara didn't sh- wake up one day and do it, right? So what I'm saying is just do it. Yeah. Like just do a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to do social media, do a lot of it. If you're going to do pay-per-click, do a lot of it. If you're going to do a, a client appreciation. Market the hell out of it. I was just, I want to get your thoughts on this, Tara, is uh, we were doing the the Thanksgiving pie thing and uh, I had delegated it like a good seventh level Ascension team leader. I delegated the entire thing to my team. Okay. The day of the, the pumpkin pie, I'm like, do you have a photographer on staff? What's our social media plan? How are we going to market this to everyone in the marketplace? And they're like, well, no, our clients are going to come in. I'm like, the whole point is to market that we're doing it. Like, I want to get the juice out of this. I want to squeeze every last juice out out of this lemon. So what's your thoughts on that? How do you take these client appreciation things and like shine a light on them and then promote them? And do you agree with me? The promotion of them is almost as important as the actual event.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's, you know, as as team leaders, we're always telling our agents, you know, to call your past clients in your sphere. But, you know, one of the biggest obstacles is, well, what do I call and talk to them about? So having these client events throughout the year, number one, it gives you an excuse to call and invite them, then to Mm. call and remind them to come, and then to see them at the event or to call them after the event and say, hey, I missed you, sorry you couldn't make it, or thank you for coming. You know, so it's it it gives them the opportunity for four or five different touches. And you're exactly right. It's just, it's about you know, promoting it leading up to the event, promoting it the day of the event, taking pictures, asking your clients like, hey, you know, post a picture while you're here and do a hashtag and you'll be injured to win into a drawing or or here's a QR code to go leave us a review on Facebook or Zillow or, or you know, Google or whatever it may be. But it's like, like you said, just getting all these different pieces out or, hey, who do you know that's looking to buy or sell right now? And how many referrals can we get? And, you know, so it's, it's, uh, there's, there's the signage to how to come to the event, you know, having signs out, client, event, big client event, balloons out everywhere. So, yeah, it's, it's, there's, it, it looks like everything else we've been talking about, just putting a lot of thought into each aspect of, of what you're doing. We actually just did a, a client event as well, but instead of the, the pies, is we did one for, you know, most people, we, we either have a photographer, On staff, or we all know a photographer, is we had uh, one come. We did this last couple of years for holiday pictures. So invite your past clients and have them come. We had a, you know, one year we did one of those old looking trucks and we had uh, Christmas trees and blankets and, you know, and we did it outdoors. This year it rained. And so we had to kind of makeshift it into our office. We all of a sudden looked like a JCPenney's or Sears portraits video. But, you know, it had, had backdrop and, but it, it turns out great. And it's their holiday cards. And then you can have like a little, your little logo kind of off in the corner, just like a photographer would. If you go somewhere and have pictures made and then they can post those digitally, they can mail them out. And, you know, and we've had Santa at them before, you know, so the kids come, we have cookie stations, keep the kids entertained, hot cocoa station. So there's just so much, and that's, and it's very inexpensive, you know, there's not you already have the photographer or you can hire one for the day, it's not that expensive. And then take the picture and edit it and send it out to them, you know? So I think sometimes we get wrapped up and it has to be a huge production. It has to cost a lot of money, but it's, there's a lot of very easy ways to do it. And, and like I said, just the, the, the details into the whole thing are super important.
0: Yeah. The email blast, the email notifications, the newsletter, it, you you made a really aha, aha aha moment for me was this is an opportunity for your agents to get on the phone and use that new app that does outbound phone calls to call these people. For sure. And so they're they're touching them, you know, talking to over over subscribed, right, Preston? Over Yep. Over subscribed. Yeah, touching them four times just on one event. Yeah. Is is really really brilliant. So.
1: Yeah, because the thing is, is, it doesn't even matter if they the client comes to the event or not you know it just it's like being invited to a party you're just you're happy that oh well it's so nice of them to invite me to this party even if you don't if you don't end up getting to attend you know it just it's again i think yes yeah as realtors we just think oh they're gonna remember me forever but they don't unless you stay in front of them forever so yeah. <laughs> that's what someone mentioned the other day and I, it's it, yeah it, i will probably always use the word past client because it's ingrained in my head they said, "Quit calling past clients. Call them forever clients. Past clients, like if it's past, it's done. There's no more juice left to squeeze, kind of thing. But they're your forever client at that point.
2: Stage is changed in follow-up, boss. Forever client, forever yeah. client. You, yeah.
0: you know, I've been thinking, I this is a product of this marketplace too. Tara is the product is because things were so fast and furious, they became way more transactional." Mm-hmm. And now we're going back to traditional, which is a lifelong client. Um, right. And I thought about the same thing. I know I don't call them buyer leads anymore. You know, I call them, well, you can call them people I can follow with, but I call them a future listing because mm-hmm. if you sell, why do you sell a person a home so you can list it in the future?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's the whole point. You want to increase your listing inventory seven years from now, sell some buyers, some homes, and yeah. f- which sure. will force you to follow up with them. That's true. So, what are you doing in today's marketplace? Obviously, I think Ben is—is Northwest Arkansas the same as most of North America? Low inventory, high interest rates, longer days on market, kind of like lower sales because it's—it's, you know, there's not a lot out there. What are you doing differently or more of the same, right now? How you take me into 2024 strategy?
1: Sure. Well, you know, it definitely obviously has slowed down and there are less transactions to be had, but I think that creates a lot of opportunity. I always say we're, we're a team that specializes in listing homes that didn't sell the first time, you know, so there's going to be a lot of expired listings because there's a lot of agents out there that have never, they don't, they're, they're a 2020 realtor, you know, they don't know how to list a home, market a home, stage a home, correctly price a home, negotiate, you know, they've been what I call a Burger King order taker the last couple of years. And so there's, you know, that's a time for our team to shine is because we, we, we know how to do these things. And so I think there's a lot of opportunity coming up in that regard. You know, Fizzbos are always, you know, huge. And, the, and, and unfortunately they've been, you know, fortunately, unfortunately being, but they've been successful. You know, maybe they probably left a lot of money on the table but they've they've successfully sold their home, and now I think that's that's gonna be a turn of events and so I think now you know having a proper strategy to market a home, spend marketing dollars i mean that's that's the thing too as agents, we all know you have to spend money to get a home to sell and that and most agents have have not had to do that the last couple of years, so if you are spending money and to market a home like these these there's so much opportunity for career realtors to do well in 2024 and move out kind of the hobby realtors that we've had over the last couple of years so I actually see a lot of opportunity and um, you know you said the last couple of years it has been transactional and I think a lot of that's because it happened so fast you know there hasn't been time to build a relationship so now there are you know you have a listing and you know I, I always think it's funny our agents sometimes still kind of like It's been on the market eight days and we haven't had any offers yet. I'm like, that's normal. You know, that is so normal. But I'm like, but if you're feeling this way, then your client is probably feeling this way too, because we haven't set the proper expectations. So making sure you're having these conversations also with your clients and, you know, that, hey, it may take two or three or four months or whatever the case is to sell. And then if it happens before that, then you're a hero, you know, but set the proper expectations. And, uh, you know, that this is not a, a market right now where things are just going to more than likely fly off the shelf in, in hours. You know, it's back to normal real estate. But we, uh, we, we all have such short memories on, on what that really means.
2: So the other businesses that we talked about, you know, you focused on real estate and you have other businesses now. Uh, is one of them a real estate school?
1: No, it's not. i we was well, just
2: thinking them. a thousand applications. I was in my head. I'm like, hey, she has other businesses. A thousand <laughs> applications with un- unlicensed people.
0: Yeah. Share share with the audience your other ancillary businesses. I I think ancillary is is, is not the right term for you.
1: Other businesses, right? Well, we have a uh, we started in 2015 or 16. I think it was a property management business. We have an agent on our team who. He kind of got a start in real estate, working the the rental side of it, and so he always said, "Hey, we should start a property management company." And so we did, and so we're we're partners on the property management company, and we we have almost 500 doors uh, right now, and property management. I mean, it's 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 a beast, you know, it's a whole uh, different department. But what I love about our property management business right now is that it's. Um, it's independent of our real estate team, meaning they, they both help each other, but I mean, knock on wood, nothing would happen, but I feel like if today are, we folded up our real estate team, the property management would just keep on trekking. you know, they're not dependent on our, our, our team for business, which is great. Um, and then we also have a title company that we opened up, uh, a few years ago, we kind of started off we worked with another title company and we just hired someone to just do the closing and processing side of it. And that's kind of how we started and kind of tiptoed our way in and hired you know, someone else to do all the underwriting and the, the actual title insurance. And then a few years ago we took that, that all on as well. Um, and so, you know, you're spending, you know, we're all spending all this money on marketing. And so it's kind of nice to take these marketing dollars and actually, you know, uh, find ways to have a a, a return on it other than just helping on the real estate side. So the title has been really great. Um, It is more dependent on our team. So we did uh, recently just, it's not even officially open yet, but we bought a separate brick and mortar building for that title company. So they can work on growing because all of our closings happen at our office and everything's limbered, you know, vomited everywhere
0: well hard to get other agents to put yeah. that on the contract
1: right yeah and and i get that you know totally i would i would feel the same way so uh so this is our hope that we can kind of grow that business outside of just our team by having kind of its own stand uh, standalone independent location so that's um that's something we're, we're kind of just now ramping at Um so those are our main businesses we and then we also do a lot of instant offer stuff so we do a lot of flips and wholesales. Um, and I say a lot, but, you know, probably 10 to 15 a year. That's
0: great. But, Fantastic. You
1: know, but we actually had uh, one of our favorite things to do is to partner with people on our team. So the way our instant offer program works, if someone on our team brings that to us, then we, we, we're kind of the, the money side of it. And then as long as they're the boots on the ground, they're meeting the contractors, they're taking measurements, that sort of stuff then we uh we they share in the profits of um, the flip with us. And so that's um it just been a, a cool opportunity for for our team. But we actually had an agent on our team uh that's decided that's all they want to do. And so we're actually forming a partnership and gonna help uh him and he has a business partner as well. And so that's kind of something we're in the process of starting up is just to kind of Feed that engine where that's the only thing it it will do, and and have him help concentrate on it. So, um, but that's that's one of my, our favorite things to do as a as a team leader. As my husband and I, is just seeing seeing other people take ownership of something or benefit in other ways. You know, I was I was always told in the beginning that the real money in real estate is not helping other people buy and sell it, but is to invest your own. But obviously, we all have to start somewhere to have the money to go do those things. And so that's um, kind of why we do a lot of what we we do is to help fund some of these other things for investment purposes for ourselves and for our team members down the road.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great way for retainage and, you know, to, to help somebody you see that's going to, you know, doing really well. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of people I know in business, they'll, they'll form partnerships with their agents, whether it's owning like a building together and it's a lot harder for them to walk away from something, you know, if, if they're tied into the business as well. So it's yeah. definitely, it's definitely something, you know, when you have the right people, I wouldn't say just go and do it with anybody and <laughs> just join yeah. your team. But when you have somebody that you build a relationship, it definitely can be a positive.
1: Yeah, for sure. Find a, find a way to win, win, you know, so.
0: Yeah, you have the, you know, Terry, Terry Pranish is a guy he's up in, I believe he's up at Edmonton and he called me up, about a month ago I said nick i think you guys you you guys need some advice i was like okay great terry what's your advice you, if you don't know who terry is he was huge he was huge he was like i think he dressed up as superman one time and and climbed to the top of a building to promote i mean this guy's like a legend yeah wow. i think he, i think he got a cease and desist order from a dc comic you know dc right you know like the like a like a richard branson type of character in terms of events and he goes You know, I had a mentor when I, early in my career, tell me, you know, you need to become your number one client. You need to become your number one client. And what he meant was, you know, eventually, yeah, the deals are, some of these deals, some of these opportunities, like your instant offer can be yours done right, ethically and morally, of course, but acquire the assets, you know, like real estate sales is a cash business. We don't own things. We don't have inventories. It's a cash business. So the, the question comes into play when you start making cash, what are you going to do with it? Mm-hmm. Where are you going to redeploy it? Are you just going to buy things? Is that why you're in real estate? It sounds like to me like you're building things. On the property management side and the title side, different names for, for just to yes. there, different names?
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Different. Metro, property management, and harbor closing Company. So yeah, mm-hmm. it was different. So
0: and to be a business owner, you got to know how things work. Have you always been that way? Do you, do you, when you go into a business, do you kind of break it down, the mechanics of it? How do you think about that?
1: Yeah. I mean, if you on a, if you do like a, the disc test, I'm a, I'm a high B, I, and C, you know, those kind of, I'm no S, so I'm, <laughs> I'm working on that, you know, but yeah, i um, yeah, I, I love to know the, the ins and the outs of, of everything that's going on. I will say, though, like in the property management business in the beginning, I was more hands on of understanding how things work. But now it's like, you know, it's I, 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 I'm, I contribute a lot on marketing and how to grow the business and, and as as property owners ourselves understand what what proper, what what we want out of a property management company. But now knowing the ins and outs of all the systems, I just, I don't, I don't know. And, and you know, sometimes that drives me crazy, not knowing all of it, but at the same time too, I know that, you know, I always say my, my brain is kind of like an accounting method, like FIFO or LIFO, you know, first in, first out or last in, first out. Like my brain's maxed out. And so if something else gets put in, something else gets shot out and I have no control over what, what I lose. So. Uh, that being said, is I think with our property management company and our closing company, the keys have been finding the right people, which is hard to do. It took us a long time on the property management side, the hiring the right people that that you know you can you can trust that are going to dive in and they're going to understand all those things. But um, you know, like I said, I, I would love to know how to do all of it. Uh, maybe when I retire. Or something I can I can do that. But you know, but right now it's just not possible.
0: <laughs> what should people do before they start a flipping business, property management business, title business? So that that, that solo agent, top producer wants to build a team or that team that's building the team right now, what should they master first? Or should they not? Should they just open up all these ancillaries?
1: Yeah, no, I mean I I think it's um it's a good way to leverage like you know especially the market we're going in having the property management side is great for people that maybe have trouble selling their house or feel like they owe too much on it or whatever you know someone that can't buy right now because the interest rates are high so they're going to go into rental instead so it does help you know leverage and offset your business but i i would say you know first get the real estate part down you know make sure that you're you know you've got to steady flow of, of, of income that you can count on, whether it's your own production or a team and don't lose, don't lose focus on what's paying the bills, you know, make sure you keep a really good eye on that and then pick one thing at a time. You know, I think sometimes ages try to do too much too fast and end up kind of failing at a lot of different things. So kind of pick, pick the one that you think that would be the easiest to, um, to do and to get up and running. And kind of master it, get it down, get processes down, get the right people in place, let and, and and let it have let it struggle. I mean, every new business is gonna have ups and downs. So figure out those struggles, overcome those, and then kind of then just keep adding on. Like I said, our real estate team we started in 2010, property management was like 2015 or 16. Our title business was like 2018. So it's just, you know, every couple of years, just kind of getting things down. And the, the wholesale stuff, you know, just kind of looking for opportunities and taking one that you feel like you can't lose on and kind of starting there and get your feet wet and making sure you understand, you know, uh, and then you have contractors in place. It's, I think it's, we all probably struggle with find Everyone goes, oh, you're in real estate, but you have plenty of contacts. I'm like, well, actually, she's like, yeah, we're always looking for more people because it's so hard to find good contractors. And if you find a good one, then you refer them to everybody. And the next thing you know, you can't get them anymore either. So, um, you know, make sure you have people in place. You know, we have an HR team right now that's uh, looking at buying a home to flip personally for himself and his wife. And he's like, well, I could do a lot of the work myself. I was like, yeah, you probably can. But just think about, you know, how many hours is it going to take you to do that An opportunity cost of if you can't go sell real estate because you're painting, you know, what 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 is that costing you? So, you know, really and and understanding, we all know anytime you whether you're remodeling your own personal house or it's a flip, there's always gonna it's always gonna cost you more than you think it is. There's always going to be some little hiccup and it's always going to take longer than you think it will. You know, those are pretty much givens, you know? It's gonna happen every time. So have to have some buffers.
0: You kept the main thing, the main thing, and that's the, the Lindberg real estate right the transaction, the client, because, yes. and then, and then you worked out, you worked out from that transaction.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Keep the main thing, the main thing, and don't lose focus on that. I think that's what, what I see happen a lot. And then, then, then everything's kind of falling apart, you know? Oh, mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, this has been an awesome interview, Press any, any last question?
2: No, I can't think of any.
0: Yeah, um, if you one last question, and then th- thank you for your time today on the on the podcast. Is if you were to give a young team, and it may be the last answer, you know, a young team advice today, mm-hmm. what would it be?
1: Oh, let's see. I would say.
0: three year one or you go back and give Tara, you know, give yourself advice in 2010, 2012 when you were just building this thing
1: up. Yeah. Well, I would say for a a brand new person is give yourself time. You know, I was at a conference not very long ago, an agent um, out of Dallas, very successful agent said about six years into his journey, he had a mentor and he's like, you know, why am I not at the basically the top of the mountain yet. I've been doing this for six years. And he's like, just give yourself time, you know, you're, you're just not there yet. And I think, you know, we all want the, you know, the staples of the that's easy button and just immediately go to the top and, you know, everyone's journey takes a different time, but I would say just give yourself time. You know, there's, especially in real estate, there's so many things that we can't control. You know, and so it's just, you know, understanding understanding that and that, that you can get to where you want to go. You just have to give yourself time to get there. It just doesn't happen overnight. And I would say as far as giving myself advice is, you know, we've all lost too much sleep on things that don't really matter at the end of the day. You know, whether you're in real estate or any business, you know, I've, I've, I've started trying to keep the mindset, if this won't matter in five years. Don't give it five minutes of my time. And it's just because we can get so wrapped up in all the little nuances. And oh, somebody said this or this happened, and da-da-da. We're all just so worked up and lose sleep, fretting about things. And at the end of the day, it's like, you know, just it it, your your family and your health, all the things are number one. Everything else is number two. And it's just, you know, don't what sometimes whatever's gonna happen, it's whatever is what's gonna happen. And that's okay.
0: I can't think of a better way to end the podcast, Preston.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: That that was very wise. I was looking for wisdom there, Tara. I mean, after running a real estate team for 13 years, going on 14 years, multiple different marketplaces. And when you look at the evolution of teams, you know, that's a long time for teams because teams are fairly new in the last 20 years. So Tara, we wish you the best of luck and uh, more future success. Look forward to seeing you at more events, seeing you on stage speak. Cool.
1: Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. It's been fun. Okay.
0: We'll see you there. See you.